Thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on FlowCombat.com. I'm Daniel Gumby Freeland, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. UFC, another off week this week. You're probably absolutely jonesing for another UFC card. Me and Shockwave Dave are as well. But we do have some really great action to recap for you guys this week. We're going to be doing our 2020 year-end awards it was a crazy year for, for obviously not just MMA, but the whole world. We're going to break down the craziest things that we saw, our fighter of the year, fight of the year, knockout of the year, submission of the year, all that good stuff as part of our year-end award. So make sure you tune into that. Plus, before that, we're going to be talking to two of the fighters who are fighting on Fight Island coming up soon. We got Tyson Nam getting ready for his bout, as well as Jerome Rivera. So make sure you tune into both of those interviews. And those awards, but of course, before we get to any of that, I gotta let you know that this episode is brought to you by ProPace Sports Metrics. From the creator of the Grapple app Jiu-Jitsu game, which you should also download, ProPace Sports Metrics is a new Android app designed to measure your progress in striking arts. That's right, their flagship feature, the Striking Clinic, uses your phone's microphone to detect your kicks and punches against a heavy bag and uses beeping to up your work rate. So you're trying to match the beeps with your strikes, and therefore, they give you a cool score. And let me tell you something. It's pro-based sports metrics. So they're giving you all the metrics about how well you're doing on each and every training session, which you can then use to improve your scores, work to beat those high scores, and of course, share with and challenge your friends on social media. So make sure to check them out in the Android store. That's pro-based sports metrics. Pro-based brings you this episode, Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and it starts right now. The hosts are ready. The fighters are ready. Listeners, make some noise if you are ready for Top Turtle MMA with Shockwave and Gumby. All right, and joining me now is Tyson Nam, who fights Matt Schnell on UFC Fight Island on January 20th. So, Tyson, I got to ask you, you got back-to-back knockouts in the flyweight division. Seemed like you were soaring towards the top, but it seems like since then you've had about 100 fights canceled, rescheduled, fighters replaced. How frustrating is that getting for you? It, that's just a fight game, man. You know, especially... Uh... Especially with uh with these times, we got a pandemic going on, and everybody's training so hard. You know, especially mixed martial arts, we do so many different types of training that um injury injuries are uh, bound to happen. So you gotta you take you take it all in, and um, you're just grateful that uh that you get you get a fight uh you get to fight sometime. <laughs> well, I appreciate the positive attitude. Now, I also know. That with all of those changes, you know, you got to fight, you know, Zaruk Adeshev, and then you got to fight Jerome Rivera, two guys making their UFC debut, and you did it in emphatic fashion, but how excited are you that you're finally getting a top 10 guy in Matt Schnell here? Well, my first two fights were against top 10 guys. Uh, Sergio Pettis was number five, um, Kai Car France was number seven. Didn't work out uh, in my favor, but um, I'm excited again that I got those uh, two wins, and and they're giving me um, they're giving me an, another uh, top ten opponent, and and uh, hopefully I can uh, make a different outcome this time. 
For sure. And and I know, too, some of the, the issue with those fights, too, is they're, they're guys who fight fairly safe, right? Like, they're strikers who like to pick and choose their, their shots. Obviously, Schnell is a whole different animal here. How do you see your game matching up with, with his sort of wrestle-heavy style? You know, we're, uh, we're both finishers. Even as of recently, uh, Matt Schnell has been uh, a little bit of a strength. Like, his boxing looks really good. Um, um, but, but we both come to finish the fight. We never like to see... Uh, we never like to hear the final horn, so um, I'm thinking, uh, man, it, it might not get out of the first round between uh, both of us fighters that love to finish our opponents. Well, we certainly love hearing that kind of thing. Now, I, I got to ask, too, you know, you said you, you've been thinking about his boxing as well because his boxing seems to get better. It, it did seem, at least to me, like, you know, I kind of classify him mentally as a as a submission specialist. Have you done any extra preparation in preparing for the submission side of things, or or is this you know one of those things where you hope to go in there and impose your will? No, he's definitely going to have uh, an advantage um, in the grappling department over myself, but it's uh it's not like I'm uh, new to the game in uh, any sense. I've, I I know a little bit of jujitsu, I know a little bit of wrestling here and there. Um, I've once heard someone say that. It takes a many of uh, years to be a submission specialist, but it only takes a few weeks to be a defensive submission uh, or a, a, a specialist in defending submissions. So, of course, uh, there's no there's no uh, surprise what my game plan is going to be. I'm always uh, going to be defending, uh, grappling, and making it a uh, a striking fest. Uh, especially uh, for the the crowd. I know that's what the crowd likes to see, and that's the way I love to fight. Well, and it's certainly what the crowd likes to see. And and being that, you know, with your big knockouts and the fact that you strung two together in a row and now you're fighting a top ten guy, where do you feel like a big knockout here against Matt Schnell would put you in this division? Man, that uh, I I keep on uh, climbing those ranks, and, you know, Matt Schnell, I believe he is number nine at the moment. So a big win over a number nine opponent. Uh, I don't know exactly how the uh, the politics works with uh, the number ranking after you beat an opponent, but it, it should put me up over there to where I, I could call out someone that's maybe a top five opponent after that. For sure. And looking up at the top five, too, there's a lot of guys who sort of fit that bill of the people you like to fight. You know, you've said in the past, that you do like to fight guys who want to throw down and who want to, you know, engage in a fight and not kind of pick and choose their shots from the outside. Is is there a fighter in that top five that you particularly like the idea of a matchup with? Um, I I know after my uh, last fight I called out uh, Joseph Benavides, but I uh, um, I'm not too sure exactly. Uh, what their plan is with that, and um, I know that they really wanna want me to fight Matt Schnell, but I really haven't done my homework just yet. I mean, uh, you can ask me the same question in a couple more weeks, and I have a a whole different answer for you. But uh, 
Yeah, I'm sorry. I ain't got an answer for you right at this moment. <laughs> that, that's all right. And, and out of curiosity, it actually brings up a better question. Do you, do you do research leading into a fight for when they ask you that question? Like, do you prepare your answer when you inevitably know Joe Rogan or Michael Bisping or whoever is going to ask you who you want to fight next? You've you've done your research and, and written it down ahead of time? I always love to be uh, prepared, you know. Um I've taken I've taken some uh, speech classes in college, and they say that you know you got to practice it in front of the mirror. I'm always doing things of that sort whenever I'm getting a. I always like to be prepared when I'm asked um, a uh, uh, a question of that sort, especially when it comes to the future, uh, you know, future opponents, just future uh, work for myself. I always like to keep myself uh, busy. I definitely agree with that. So. I wanted to ask you one question before I let you go or before we talk a little bit more about the fight here about the flyweight division because it just had one of the most exciting fights in the history of it. I was wondering if we could get your thoughts on how you felt about Figueredo versus Moreno and maybe even how how you scored the fight, who you thought won. Man, that thing was hot like fire. Um, uh, Of course, uh, I I thought uh, Figueredo won. He was uh, landing the more uh, um, effective striking and um you know Brandon Moreno took him down but you know this day and age I mean they need to revamp the 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 judging to where you know if you take someone down but they get back up you really didn't do nothing it kind of kind of washes itself clean if you if you don't do anything with it but um the judging they 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 had it they had it right on top of the money because without that point deduction Figueredo would have won I would have yeah, I would, I would have had it, uh, Figueredo, uh, winning, um, uh, uh, by, by a round. I, I feel like he, he won three of the rounds and Moreno won two of the rounds. So I, I feel like the judges got it, got it right on top of the money, on top of that fight. And, you know, just for the flyweight division, I mean, a, a fight like that was, it was huge. You know, Cody Garbrandt, he's, he's getting, he needs to get healthy and he's gonna, he's gonna add to the flyweight division, um, you know, not too long ago, there was uh, talks about getting rid of the flyweight division. There, there shouldn't be any argument that that uh, the 125-pound weight class should should be around and should be featured um, from from here on out. I couldn't agree with you more. You're you're preaching to the choir when you're talking to me. So I I do want to ask now. So we talked about the judges' scorecards. Obviously, you said you don't see this one going to the judges' scorecards. How do you see this one ending when you fight uh, Matt Schnell on January 20th? You know, if if I'm not knocking him out, I would much rather be knocked out. You know, I want to see someone get knocked out during top of that fight. The fans, uh, the fans tune in. They take they take a uh, take a part of the day to watch us, and um, the uh, yeah, we, we 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 do it for the fans. I like to finish people. He likes to finish people. Well, we we live by the sword and we die by the sword, and uh. And uh, something's gonna, something exciting is gonna happen when uh, we we meet up in the middle of the that, that octagon. Well, we're certainly looking forward to it. Once again, fans, this is Tyson Nam who fights Matt Schnell on UFC Fight Island January twentieth. Tyson, thanks so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you, thank you. Have a wonderful day. And that interview with Tyson Nam is brought to you by Respect the Tap. Respect the Tap is very passionate company about BJJ and combat sports, and their apparel reflects exactly that. But let me tell you something. They're not just passionate about the sports, but they're 
passionate about design and style as well. They're a fashion-forward MMA and BJJ lifestyle brand that bucks the trends of those skull and dragon and sword MMA apparel companies that you're used to. And instead, it embodies that honor and inner strength and respect that is so inherent in martial arts. So I heavily suggest checking out their entire line over at respectthetap.com. All right, and joining me now is Jerome Rivera, who fights Francisco Figueredo on UFC Fight Island January 20th. So, Jerome, I want to ask you, you know, you fought on the Contender Series down at Flyweight, right? Your your UFC debut was against Tyson Nam. That went up to Bantamweight. I'm sure that's sort of because of the short notice. Now I see you at Bantamweight again for this fight. Is this like a permanent home for you? Because I know you, you fought mostly, you know, like in LFA as well at Flyweight. What, what's sort of the plan for you now? Yeah, like going forward, you know, like I'm open to opportunities. I think flyweight is my home, but if anybody is like throwing in some fights out there at 135, it's definitely something I'm open for. Um, but one thing with this fight is I thought the same thing when they threw the matchup at us, and they're like, yeah, Francisco Figueiredo, 135 pounds. Um, well, I mean, I looked at his record, and I saw he was a 135-pounder, but he's actually dropping down to flyweight now, and he's going to meet me at 125 pounds. So I'm back at my home of flyweight. Oh, so that's actually excellent news to hear. So you're going to get to fight back down at flyweight, which I wanted to ask you, obviously, like being in the division with the guy who, you know, you're fighting his brother, but like his brother is the man, right? Davison Figueredo, the guy you everybody's chasing. Do you feel like this fight brings extra eyeballs to you, being that it's the brother of somebody who's, you know, fairly famous here? Oh, yeah, definitely. I'm very excited about the opportunity just because I have a feeling that once people start hearing more about uh, Francisco Figueredo's name, like you said, he's going to start getting a lot of eyeballs on him. So I think he's going to bring a lot of hype. And uh, I don't know how much, uh, how, I mean, not saying that this dude isn't tough, but, you know, he has a lot of hype on him. And I think it's a very great matchup for me. So I'm very excited for the opportunity. I'm I'm training as if I'm fighting Figueredo, his brother, right now. You know, I want to send a message to the champ, so I'm very excited. Absolutely, and I know that this fight wound up being 10 days before you were originally scheduled to fight. You're supposed to fight at Odie Osborne all the way back in January 30th. This one's January 20th. Did, did it alter your schedule all that much? I, I know, obviously, that's not a huge change, and we're a little ways out right now. Um, did you feel like that was sort of a big change for you to work through? Um, not a whole lot, you know, we had been kind of like, you know, I took about two weeks off after that Tyson Nam fight and then I kind of got back in the group of things. So I'm the kind of person that likes to stay active all the time, even when I'm not in camp. So, you know, we were kind of at like a good little cruising pace. And then once they told us the fight was moved up 10 days, then we just kind of, I mean, it just kind of cut the time a little bit closer to when we got to start turning things up. So it didn't affect us too much. Um, luckily, the the change happened with this many weeks, and it's not something we had to plan for maybe two weeks out where we'd have to completely switch up our game plan. So we got a lot of time to come up with a new plan for Figueredo and get ready for what he's bringing. And, and how much of a change was that? Because I know, obvi- obviously, he, he looks very physically different than Odie Osborne, who's a very long guy who's fought up at Bantamweight a bunch of times as well. How much of a change was that to your game planning and what you were doing in the gym? Mm, you know, for like moving forward in the future and in that Ode Osborne fight, I was really planning to kind of show my roots, which is grappling. So 
that's something that I had in mind, and uh, I think that will still go with fighting Figueredo. You know, he's a black belt in jiu-jitsu, so he's going to be pretty savvy on the ground, just like O'Day was. I think the difference is going to be that this guy doesn't have uh, the threat of wrestling that O'Day had. Um, he might have a little bit more dangerous of striking than O'Day does, but overall it wasn't too big of a change that we had to make, just kind of accounting for a guy that's not as good of a wrestler. That makes sense to me. Now, I also know, you know, a lot of fighters who I've been talking to leading up to these fights on Fight Island didn't know at the time of agreeing to the fight that it was, in fact, going to be on Fight Island. They, they thought they might be agreeing to a fight in Vegas or something like that. What Was that the case with you, or did you know going into accepting this fight that it was going to be international? Yeah, they've been kind of quiet about it, you know? Like, they haven't really, like, said... I mean, it's been kind of, like, you can tell there's still a lot of moving parts on there, and, like, they don't know if it's going to be in Vegas or in Abu Dhabi. Like, as of right now, they still haven't told me that it's going to be in Abu Dhabi, but they're like, hey, have your passport ready, and <laughs> I ask them for my passport and all this stuff. So, you know, I'm just planning for uh, Abu Dhabi is what I'm thinking sounds pretty realistic. But I also do have that in mind that, who, I mean, who knows, maybe for all we know, they could move the card from January 20th back to the 30th and maybe switch it back to Vegas or maybe keep it in Abu Dhabi. Who knows with this, with the way the world is going right now. For sure. That, that obviously is a good mentality to have. Now, I'm curious, too, you know, like all of your fights, for the most part, are on the regional scene in the, the Texas, New Mexico area. I mean, obviously, you, you had the Contender Series fight in Vegas. You had the Tyson Nam fight in Vegas. What is the feeling knowing that you might be traveling halfway across the world, which is something you haven't really done in, in your fight career to, to go fight in Abu Dhabi? Yeah, it's, a, it's still a surreal feeling. I think it's going to settle in kind of when it starts happening, but I'm already kind of trying to get myself mentally ready for it. I picture myself being out there, being away from my family, just kind of trying to not pay too much attention to the glamour and just kind of go out there to do what I'm going out there for. And that's business going to go fight. So um, it's also though just like a very exciting opportunity. Like that's something that's on my bucket list. Like I never thought that I'd say one day that I'd be going across the country to fight one of the baddest dudes in the world. So definitely something that I'm gonna be bragging about to my daughter one day, and something I'm very proud of. And right now though, I'm just living in the moment, just thinking of uh, <clears throat> the business portion of it, ready to go take out Figueredo. And you, you know, you just said take out Figueredo, and you mentioned some of the game plan in there. Obviously, you think. He's going to come in and maybe try to wrestle, but doesn't have the wrestling as Osborne. Do you feel like giving us a prediction? How do you see this one ending? Uh, I think that he's been very inactive, and I don't know if that's because of him being injury-prone or another thing that I'm convincing myself in my head. I'm telling myself that this guy isn't very hungry. Um, and From when I started fighting until... Uh, if you pick up from his career when I started in 2013 until now, I've had 17 fights and he's had eight. So either he's very injury prone or maybe he's not very hungry. So I want to go put the pace on him. I want to go be very confident and I want to break this dude. I'm, I'm guessing a first or second round finish. I love it. And you heard it here first, folks. This is Jerome Rivera who fights Francisco Figueredo on Fight Island January 20th. Jerome, thanks so much for the time, man. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Dan. I appreciate your time. Nice chatting with you. Well, we hope you enjoyed those interviews with Tyson Nam and Jerome Rivera. I once again am Daniel Gumby Vreeland, joined now by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave, let's start with this. Uh, this was obviously a crazy year, the pandemic, the delays. Of all of the stuff that you will remember from MMA in the UFC this year, 
What's the one thing you think will stick out years to come from now? I mean, honestly, it might be a bit of a cheese ball, a bit of a suck-up answer, but I think it was the UFC's ability to withstand the pandemic better than any other sports uh, property league in existence. You know, they really didn't miss a beat. They took about three weeks off, you know, had the great sight of UFC Vegas and um, Fight Island, LOL, and it was kind of like a normal UFC year to me. Because we deal as MMA fans with last minute dropouts, weight cut issues, fights being canceled all the time. We were conditioned for this. Whereas I think your standard NBA, NFL, MLB fan wasn't necessarily ready for all the changes or last minute cancellations and everything felt very different. To me, the UFC didn't feel that different. And I think they deserve some sort of award for that. It also showed me you know, coming at it from an angle of also being a pro wrestling fan, or at least an old school pro wrestling fan, you take fans out of a pro wrestling arena, and it's unwatchable to me. Uh, you take fans out of a MMA arena, it's still as watchable, and I actually felt like the drama was almost increased being able to hear each corner, being able to hear each kick and each punch land. I just think what stands out to me is the UFC got better, whereas every other league seemingly took a quality hit. Yeah, and, and I think, too, you you were right that, like, we were already conditioned for, for pullouts and stuff like that. It's worth noting how many pullouts clearly went way up, how many, injury, you know, or COVID tests and things like that that pulled fighters last second clearly was an increase from what we're used to. But at the same time, you're right in that the sport is – is built for that almost, right? Not just because we're already conditioned for it, but also because when one person fights out, you just rip that fight out of the card and the card largely is not changed. Whereas when you pull a quarterback who tested positive for COVID, you know, uh, like somebody did, you know, weeks ago, or, you know, half the basketball team of the Houston Rockets wasn't able to play recently. Like that's noticeable, right? Like you can't just scratch those players and not see that, that the effect of that. Whereas, like, if you weren't following along with the card, fight card, minute to minute, second to second, the week of the fight, and you just turned it on that day, odds are at the beginning of the broadcast to the end of the broadcast, nothing changed. So you're, you're right. It's, it's uniquely conditioned for that. Uh, and, and I think that did help. And I will say, I agree with you 100%. I'm team no fan in the stands because... Not just do we I like hearing the corners, I like hearing the mouthy fighters, right? Kevin Holland, who we're going to talk about in a little bit. Kevin Holland jaws like the best of them. Sean Strickland, it's like suddenly that guy has a, a crazy personality that I never knew about. And, and that was really fun to watch develop in the cage. So, yeah, I think all of that kind of stuff probably is one of the things I'll remember most about this year and most about once we have fans back in the stands. I, I still think I'll look back at this time and, and having had enjoyed you know, what it was able to be in such a hard time for sports. Totally. And I'll tell you what, sticking with the theme of what 2020 was, it's time for our favorite segment on the show. Well, tied for our favorite segment. It's Combat Countdown, and it's the TTP 2020 Awards. We're going to be talking about the fight of the year, the KO, the sub, and you know we're the GOAT MMA podcast, so you better listen when we break down these awards. Gumby, before we get into it, 
I have to wonder, and many people may wonder, if anyone sponsors this edition of Combat Countdown. Absolutely. The Combat Countdown is brought to you by Maroon Social. M-A-R-U-N-E. Maroon Social is the one and only social media app for the martial arts enthusiast. So whether you do kickboxing, judo, sambo, or jujitsu, it does not matter because you can log your training sessions, leave yourself notes, and all kinds of other great features that will help improve and track your training. And of course, now you can use their premium app for free on the house using promo code TOPTURTLEMMA right now. So make sure you head on over wherever you download apps and download Maroon Social. Let's start at fight of the year and what a year it was for fights. Uh, I'll give a couple of nominees and then we will reveal the TTP award for fight of the year. Uh, we'll start with Felder versus Hooker. Uh, great fight, went the distance, very technical. Figgy Moreno, which we just saw, which was out of control, and I think we're all looking forward to a rematch. Somewhat controversial to some people, uh, ended in a draw, is what it is. And then, of course, Wiley versus Joanna for the 115-pound women's title. Gumby, what is the TTP fight of the year? Uh, I'm going with Wiley Zhang versus Joanna Janjacek. I know the recency bias has people loving Figueredo versus Moreno, and I love that fight too, but let me tell you something. If you go back and watch Weili Zhang versus Joanna Janjacek, just the damage that those two women do to each other in a division where people are always complaining that they don't do enough damage, right? It's the 115-pound women. It is the smallest division the UFC has. And I just think that that fight was not only the greatest fight of this year, it was the greatest fight in a really long time in maybe one of the top women's fights ever. So, you know, with that being said, when you're you're putting something on a pedestal that high, I think Weili Zhang versus Joanna Janjacek shines through over those other great fights. Let's move on to, I agree completely. I think it was the best women's fight of all time. Uh, let's move on to KO of the year, and we got some really great choices here. Benil Darush KOs Drakkar Close. Of course, you have that famous shot of Rogan and uh, DC kind of leaning on each other, going crazy. Kevin Holland off his back, KOing Jacare. And then, of course, Joaquin Buckley KOing Impa Kasangana uh, with that spin kick while one foot was being held by his opponent and then just balancing off the foot that was on the ground and getting a KO with that foot. Just simply amazing. What are we going with? So there are a lot of good ones, and I will say Kevin Holland knocking out Jacare sticks out as being just unique in the way that he did it, and we're going to talk more about Kevin Holland, but my winner is going to be Joaquin Buckley knocking out Ipa Kasangane, and the reason being is just like the, the amount of force it takes to generate off of one foot, it, it, it's one of the most wild things I've ever seen. It's up there with one of the craziest knockouts of all time. I think it's even crazier than Kevin Holland knocking out Jacare. It's up there right next to the the Yair Rodriguez knocking out Chainsaw Jung up elbow uh, type deal. It, it's on that level of craziness. Um, obviously, it, it dotted highlight films and will continue to for years to come. I think that that KO is one that that'll stick out from time and time and time again. Uh, yeah, so Joaquin Buckley knocking out Ipa Kasangane for me is the clear-cut pick. I think that's a no doubt about it. Let's move then to sub. You have Jack Hermanson heel-hooking Kelvin Gastelum, Ariana Lipsky with a nice knee bar on Luana Carolina, 
And then Tiago Moises with that modified ankle lock on Michael Johnson, and the winner is... Man, this one's tough, and you'll notice, because I know that you like your leg locks here, Shockwave, I, I made sure we picked only leg submissions for the sub of the year. <laughs> um, and I'm going to go with Tiago Moises' modified ankle lock over Michael Johnson on this one. Uh, originally, I was thinking about picking Jack Hermanson over uh, Kelvin Gastelum, just because it was... I mean, that one was so exciting and, and, like, really early in the fight. But Moises went into that that second round down to Michael Johnson. Johnson dominated him in round one. And his, his corner said to him, you go get the leg lock or you go get him to the ground whatever way you can. And he did. And not only did he do it, he, he faked a single leg, fell to his back, wrapped him up, and then, like, finished it with a very interesting finish, too. And I think that's what clinched it for me, too, is that it is not just a heel hook, even though it might look like it at first glance. It is, it is something very different. And uh, I, I think it's worth, if you're a jujitsu nerd for sure, it's worth going back and looking at that finish because it is different than anything you've ever seen. Uh, and that's really what, what clinches it here is our sub of the year. Let's then go to our male fighter of the year. Uh, and we, of course, will do a female fighter right after. Uh, so for male fighter... Devison Figueredo, the 125-pound champ, defended uh, twice, or I guess maybe does the draw count as a defense? Uh, but either way, had a great year. Division feels very good in his hands. Kevin Holland obviously had a great year. And Gilbert Burns, uh, rumored to get a title shot, should be happening in 2021. But who is our male fighter of the year between Devison Figueredo, Kevin Holland, and Gilbert Burns? So Kevin Holland, in terms of pure volume, certainly did a number, right? He, he got five wins this year. But let's look at Davidson Figueredo because he's our pick up for, for fighter of the year because what he did in 2020 was he just went out and finished Joseph Benavidez twice, which, first of all, would automatically put you on that list. Joseph Benavidez has be been beat by four people in his whole life. He has seven losses. He lost to Dominic Cruz twice, right? He lost to... Um, to Mighty Mouse twice, and now he's lost to Davison Figueredo twice. We're, we're using Figueredo in the same sentence as those two, just based on what he did this year. Then obviously he had that quick submission of Alex Perez, turned right around, and while you got the draw against Brandon Moreno, it was only a draw because of the dick kick, and if he doesn't kick him in the dick in that second round or third round or whenever they took the point, at the end of the day, Figueredo wins that as a unanimous decision. So he's basically 4-0, that's pretty close to 5-0 and in my book. And, and for that reason, and the, just the level of those fights, I'm taking Davison Figueredo as the fighter of the year. Let's move then to female fighter. You have Valentina, the bullet, Shevchenko, uh, Yan, Jidan, and Lauren Murphy. Who gets it? So for this one, uh, again, Lauren Murphy is kind of the, the Kevin Holland pick here because she would be the one who has the most fights. The other two just went 2-0 this year, and I'm actually going to take Yan Xiaonan. And, and this is maybe a controversial pick, but if you look back at who Valentina Shevchenko beat this year, it is not an impressive resume. While she's the champ and she was, like, the most active of the champs, I mean, she went out there and beat Jennifer Maya, and let's face it, she dropped a round to Jennifer Maya, and she beat Kaylin Chokagian, which is pretty good. All Yan Xiaonan did this year was go from unranked fighter. That's right, she was unranked at the beginning of the year to being a top-five opponent who we're talking about fighting for the title. She beat Claudia Gedalia. She beat Carolina Kovalkiewicz. She beat two women who had already fought for the title. 
And she did it all in one year to go from unranked to number five. Th- that jump, I think, just shows what a huge leap she made this year. And I, I think that that is good enough to make her our female fighter of the year. All right. This one might be controversial. Uh, we, of course, will throw a lot of these out on our Twitter, and we want to hear your fan feedback. But let's go with Newcomer of the Year. Uh, Jamal Hill had a great first showing. Uh, Ilya Tapora and Kazmat Jimiyov, who I think would be the biggest name out of the three. Who are we going with? So I'm actually not going to go with Chimiev. I know everybody's talking about what he did for his stock, but I, I mean, he is, he's 1-0 and at welterweight, and he's 2-0 and at middleweight. Um, and, you know, the win against Gerald Mearshart, it's good, but it's not that good, right? Like, it's not like Gerald Mearshart is unbeatable. And, and at the same token, Jamal Hill's 3-0 and this year. So I'm going with Jamal Hill because he beat Darko Stoizic, Klitson Abreu, in former title challenger Ovin St. Pru all in a year. And, and look, now we got Jamal Hill ranked as well. So as far as newcomer of the year goes, I think he's done far more for his stock than Kamzat Chimiev is, even if, well, at least he's done more for his career in the cage because Chimiev on social media and uh, through his management team and whatnot has probably done more. But as far as what he did in the cage this year, I think Jamal Hill... Uh, is probably the newcomer of the year here. And I will say this too, worth mentioning that he does have one no contest in there. He's technically not 3-0. I was reminded this by somebody else the other day because the Abreu fight got overturned because he tested positive for marijuana. And if you think that should take somebody's win away, shame on you. So I'm calling Jamal Hill 3-0 and our newcomer of the year. Boom. Let us know on our Twitter feed, at MMA. Did we get these awards right? Did we get them wrong? We're accepting both love and hate feedback. Hey, it's been a hell of a year. We all made it through it. We got some exciting fights in 2021. If you like our show, do us a favor. Head on over to iTunes, write a review, give a little star rating. It helps keep the lights on in the Top Turtle studio. Gumby, that's all I got. Why don't you wrap up this bad boy and tell the fans what they need to know? And that's going to do it for another episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, not just for tuning in this week, but for tuning in each and every week this year. We had an amazing year, and it's all because of you guys. We really, really appreciate it. We also want to, of course, mention the sponsors. We appreciate them as well. Maroon Social, ProPay Sports Metrics, and Respect the Tap. Remember that you guys can check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Top Turtle MMA. And until next year, I'm Daniel Gumby-Vreeland. And he's Shockwave Dave Tremonte. We'll see you then.